Hello, it's Wednesday, June 13th, 2007, and you're listening to Flipped Out. Flipped Out is a podcast about the art, the culture, and the madness of Austin, Texas, and its burn community. I'm your host, Lance Hunter. Let's begin. This week, I present even more content recorded at Flipside 2007. First, an interview with Courtney of the Glory Hole Theater about performance at Flipside, and then an interview that happened completely randomly at the Shrine of Agnos and turned into a great opportunity to get the views of some relatively new burners. First, while at the glorious Lickensuck Saturday morning, I had the pleasure of running into Courtney, one of the co-founders of the Glory Hole Theater. Glory Hole Theater was created in 2005. More than just a stage, the Glory Hole works to provide an entire theater with lights, technical support, and other amenities to support performers of any type who want to put on a show at Flipside. We talk about the place of performance at Flipside, how she'd like to see Flipside be influenced by the Austin uh, performance scene, and a few other things that came to mind. And so now, the interview. Hi, how you doing? Uh, yes, that'd be really good. I'm obviously out of my game right now. Uh, I'm Courtney. I'm uh, one of the co-founders of Glory Hole Theater. Uh, we've been out here at Flipside since 2005, so 30 here. Yeah, uh, Glory Hole, that's the stage, essentially, right? Um, no, it's a theater. Uh, theaters come with lights and techies and people basically to support performers, and that's what we're about. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess, what was the impetus, 2005, to start it up? Um, well, when we were at Rec Plant in 2005, we realized that we were going to be coming out to this land, and there really wasn't anyone um, kind of offering a replacement for the Rec Plant stage. Um, so we started working on something like that. Cool, cool. So, uh, was it just... Uh, desire to do theater? Uh, um, a desire to do theater. We did a production of Lipstick Traces, our first year out, and uh, scaled back uh, this last year and this year, actually, to just basically support performers, just most of what we're about, anyway. Yeah. So, essentially, any troupe or individual that wanted to perform could sign up? Yeah. Um, performance art takes a lot of logistics. You know, getting equipment here, rounding up the performers, rehearsal. A lot of times it'll take a month to two months to actually put together a performance art piece. And by having a place to play, lights to put on you, stagehands to move your stuff around, sound equipment to plug into, that takes out, you know, it makes more performance art possible. If you, like if you're from New York and you want to bring something here, all you need to do is show up, plug in, and that's it. Fantastic. Um, so I guess... You're doing so much to support performance art. How do you feel performance art fits into uh, this event and the whole the burn thing in general? Well, one thing I've noticed is that the burner community in general tends to do spontaneous performance art. There isn't anything really structured on the level that we see like with physical art installations here. Um, which is a shame, actually, because we're right outside Austin, which is one of the performance art, I'd say probably the original performance art capital in the States. Uh, we produce more new plays per capita than anywhere else in the country. Bands. There are five active dance companies that put stuff on every year. And there's no real intersection between this culture 
and that performance art culture in Austin. So this is, I guess, a, a step to start bringing some of that here. Yeah, so are you involved in any of the, uh, I guess, Austin performance uh, community? Yeah, I've worked with uh, Rude Mechanicals. I've teched for Zach Scott, uh, Savage Vanguard. One of the people I work with after 2005 actually went on to co-found her own theater production company. Um, I think I've lost the thread of the question. What was the question again? Sorry. No, I just uh, you're involved with the performance community. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So. Um, <laughs> okay, I guess, and here's here's another one. Since there isn't much intersection, how would you compare? the tenor or the general vibe or however you want to characterize it, maybe the character of that community versus this one? Well, I'd say there's a lot of um, parallels, really. Um, performance art in Austin tends to be very DIY, tends to be very out of the box, and you'll see things produced here that you'd never see anywhere else. A uh, classic example is there was a production by Rubber Repertory of three Wallace Shawn plays. Um, who, which, you know, had never been produced because they were too explicit. And this company took them on and did just recently finished to run over at uh, Hyde Park Theater. I remember reading about that. That got some coverage in the Chronicle. So, so and that compares because we're also very explicit here. <laughs> very explicit here, very out of the box, you know, nothing... You're never going to see cats at Flipside, let's just put it that way. You know, the big, I might as well be sitting in my on my sofa watching my TV kind of theater doesn't work here, and it also doesn't work in most Austin venues. And that's a wonderful thing. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I, I'll have to take an aside real quick. Um, one camp, the uh, Temple of Agnos, actually, was showing television. Uh-huh. At their camp, did you hear about that? They, was they, that the the two lost episodes? The lost season finale, and I was there. You know, not because I wanted to watch, because I'm recording it. So uh-huh. I'm gonna watch it, but like just because there was the driest tent on Thursday. But, but yeah, I guess. How do you feel about the? Uh, I can't the shows television. Do you think well, you know, I don't think TV is evil. I know that's kind of an unpopular opinion in this particular culture. But, you know, I think you take your good stories wherever you can find them. So if someone wants to show TV, cool, all right, whatever. You know, if I don't like it, I'll walk out. It's <laughs> and I think that show should be left up to everybody, really, yeah. All right, and now here's, here's a little tricky one. A little tricky one. You can edit that back. Uh, what would you say would be, let's parallels. Your roughest experience, however you choose to interpret that, with the general performance community, and then your roughest experience with uh, Glory Hall Theater. Hmm. Well, the environment usually kicks our asses out here. <laughs> um, so, I think the roughest experience we had was my first year with our shade structure when it completely just tanked. It was awful. Um, and uh, trying to recover from that and keep going. And um, But working with performers out here has always been fantastic. Uh, you know, and if they don't show up, we go drinking. Simple. <laughs> um, with, uh, I'd say with Austin Theater, the hardest experience I ever had uh, was I worked on uh, Rude Mechanical's production of El Paraiso, and we had this crazy lighting designer who was doing some wacky-ass crap with uh, fluorescence. And he had one cue 
where I had to turn on a video projector, flip two fluorescent lights uh, that were plugged into pat, like little you know strips, and hit a light cue at the same time. And you know, so you, you can count the number of hands I have. <laughs> I only have two. I'm not a mutant. And I yeah. So I had like you know a hand on the light board. I you know a hand on that, and then my toe on the <laughs> the projector <laughs> trying to coordinate. And uh, there were a couple of times when I would mess up and he would be visiting to make sure the light show was staying nice and tight. And he would come up into the booth and hiss at me. It's like, God damn it, you. And you go, how would you exactly perform that cue? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I pretty much invited him to go take a flying leap after a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess there's one thing you would you would wish for, or hope for, mm-hmm. for performance in this you know, Austin Burn community specifically. What would that be? For the Austin Burn community? I really do think that we need some sort of organization that is the performance art equivalent of Art Garden. Um, there's a lot of stages here this year which, you know, gladdens my heart because I weren't last year. Um, some sort of centralized support, uh, Jenny sharing arrangements, centralized booking, something like that. Uh, also, I think there really needs to be an effort to get people from the Austin community here to see what this place is like and see what this culture is like, because I don't think they're going to leave after they see it. So, so basically, the, the theory is to uh, get them to invade and overtake. Invade, overtake, assimilate. Excellent. Yes, yes. We have a lot to teach each other. And a matter of fact, what would we teach each other? <laughs> well, I would just be interested in seeing like some of the work that comes out of Frontera Fest come here, which is very simple. Design, you know, if I think they have a minimum of five light cues. Perfect in this venue. Um, as far as what we can teach them, I guess this is, again, this is a no-holds-barred space. So you don't have to worry about an audience here. I mean, you do, but it's not a financial issue. You don't have to worry about making the bills because this is just, you know, for art's sake. Um, and I guess the freedom of expression is just priceless. So, yeah. Now, uh, and I'm sure you remember there were some issues on the Austin list and talking about funding and what have mm-hmm. you. And there was one interesting quote um, I'm going to bring up, and just because I never got a rebuttal from you, I never read one. Oh, okay. Was that uh, somebody was concerned he was a technical worker, but I remember his work was, or his, his statement was that stages don't make performances, stages make spectators. Kind of implying that, you know, because of spectating and spectating obviously being a bad thing in general. Okay. Well, again, we're not ever going to be performing cats at Flipside. All right. So. Most performances that are of the, the, I guess, the Austin aesthetic, the DIY, out of the box, let's push the limits. Every performance is a living entity. It's an interaction between the performers, between the people doing all the tech, and the audience. All right, you know, it's like it's like the principle of the random walk. You may think you're taking the same path, but it's never the same path twice. Whether that's a change in your perception or it's a change in you know focus. If you if you if you ask any two people who went to the same theater performance, they're going to have a different perspective. And honestly, the way people interact with the performers also changes their performance and their perspective of what happened. So. I'm going to get 
So essentially the, the theater, especially in the context of here, is so so interactive with the audience. Are not necessarily active. Would you consider them spectators at all, or would it be participants? No, no. Theater is kind of this, um, it's an organism, basically. And I think a lot of people who, who consider a stage a full performance piece or perform, full performance space miss that. Because it really is. It's the synergy between, you know, everyone there, everyone. They all have their different piece to add to the whole thing. And it's art that burns while you make it. Art that burns while you make it. That is so the tagline. Yeah, yeah I thought of that one. <laughs> you will receive credit. Um, I think, uh, I guess just, uh, when was your first flip side? 2002? Yeah, this would be five years for me. Cool, and uh, the, the thing in the desert? Twice. 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 2004, 2005. Uh, how would you compare? Oh, wow. Especially from, especially from a stage perspective. <laughs> well, I don't think we could do what we're doing here at Burning Man. Um, I really don't. Uh, just because the logistics and the environment are just incredibly extreme um, to make this sort of thing fly, really, yeah. Um, but as far as Burning Man, I mean, just the, the, the physical art, the sculpture, um, everything that's out there, is, that's their thing. It's, it's amazing. I guess one of my long-term dreams is to make performance art flip sides thing. Because after all, look where we are. We're in Austin. Good point, good point. So we, we might not have everything like the Belgian waffle, but we might have it's some insane. Well, if you look at the history of Burning Man, you go back a bit, you'll see that the San Francisco, San Francisco artist community really contributed to its growth as an art festival, as an art venue. Right, and I guess I see Austin functioning this similar way for performance art. Um, and uh, I guess, how has uh, Flipside and Burning Man influenced you, and you know how you take arts? Well, I think anyone who comes out here starts seeing the possibilities and alternative alternatives to the standard thing. Um, I guess for my, especially my first two years out here. I didn't have fancy lighting or a dome. So I learned to work with 500-watt halogen shop lights. I learned to work with fluorescence. I learned to... <laughs> I learned basically, um, you know, ways around, I guess, the conventional uh, mode of doing things. And it's, it's really been a fantastic stretch um, to come out here and, you know, learn to work with the environment, learn to work with what you've got. And I... I some fantastically creative things I think have come out of that. Excellent, excellent. Um, I guess just one last question to wrap it up. It's been a fantastic interview. Thank you very much for participating. Uh, what does it take to be a rock star? <laughs> An attitude and a plan. <laughs> excellent. Fantastic. Uh, thank you very much. And now... Early morning at the Shrine of Agnost, with four beautiful and interesting newbies to Flipside. I approached them randomly Monday morning, because honestly, time was running out and I was dying to get any type of content for the podcast, and I had an excellent opportunity to get a different perspective on Flipside. Cool. Um, I think this will work. So, hi, I'm at the Shrine of Agnost, and it's 6... 30 some odd in the morning. Uh, and I'm talking with uh, Scotty from Denton. 
Scotty from Denton. Ronnie, the professor. Professor Ronnie. And, uh, and okay. Jesse from Dallas. Cool. So, um, are y'all kind of like a up north group then? Did y'all like. Oh, yes, we are the Shrine of Agnos. Shrine of Agnos. Uh, and we, uh, Agnostic was just kind of the theme we all came around, although some of the, some of our members are, like, really occultists about the agnostic thing and, like, really into that. But uh, I think our major emphasis was probably music uh, and, like, community. All the people that came here, like, for this camp, like, were just really cool and, like, all loved hanging out with each other and everybody, like, had a really good time. So our camp, like, really came together around, uh, like, music and just a group effort. Like I'm at the country club camp, and so I see I've heard y'all's music like virtually all weekends. Great stuff. And we pulled together at the disaster of the flood. Yeah, yeah, I noticed we, we dug a trench around the uh, around the yeah moat, and then we made a drawbridge. We originally had a trebuchet that we were going to use to launch water balloons, <laughs> but uh, like it got really wet and it kind of started to break, so we ended up using it as a bridge to cross the moat. That's what's over there now. Is that, is that mode effective? Yeah, it was really good, actually. Yeah, it, it changed a lot. Uh, like, we after the first day, like rain started seeping into the dome, and like this was a dry place before that. You know what I mean? And so then we were like, oh shit! And then another, you know, the rain kept coming and coming in, in various like uh, waves. And finally, we were just like, dude, water is coming in here uncontrollably. We can't stop it. It's getting over all over everything. We had a big pillow pit when it started. It got soaking wet. You got like urine and shit on it. And so finally we just threw out the pillows. Took them to the dump today. <laughs> and uh, like dug the trench around it so that uh, like next time it rains, you know what I mean? Excellent. Yeah. We, kept, we kept it like dry after that and now it's like, it's awesome. When we first had this place set up, we were like doing no shoes. It was like that, that cool. I, I remember coming in here Thursday night actually, no shoes.
getting to go swimming in the creek, relaxing in the creek for an hour today, just refocusing myself and grounding myself and yeah. getting back into the day today. That really helped. The creek worked for that for sure. Excellent. Beautiful, most beautiful fucking place. I've you know what else also made this trip like super key is the tank of oxygen that we brought with us. Because when you get hungover, you can breathe this oxygen and like within five minutes your hangover's gone. I was so hungover Friday morning and I just breathe this stuff for like about five, seven minutes. So like anybody that like like that's that's like real party gears when you come equipped to like like medically deal with a hangover. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, that really helped me through a lot of moments when I just like needed like too much cigarettes in my in my lungs or whatever. Excellent. All I can say is fucking the fucking bull. The fucking shopping cart bull. waiting at the front gate so we were surprised like we didn't know we were coming to Flipside and me and the person I rode with didn't know anything about Flipside we didn't know what we were coming to with no expectations you know we just knew we were coming to something awesome when we get here it beats all the expectations I had for it by far and then at, I mean on top of that you know when I first got here we greeted at the gate it's 2.40 in the morning the gate's closed but we were like cool it's okay the lady at the gate comes out you know she's got a little liquor got her liquor bottle and shit at the gate so we were okay we knew we were good with our beers so we're, we're drinking our beers we sat down and relaxed we had to sleep at the gate till 10 in the morning on Saturday morning got up we had a little gate crew Saturday morning we all got drunk my friend puked at the gate before we even got into place and uh then it was going down from there <laughs> it was fun and I guess how did you uh, become part of this whole camp? Oh, my best friend Michelle is into the Burning Man community, Mischievia, all that. So I went to a couple of disturbathons and a reconstruction event, I forget what it was called. And now I'm here. Awesome. First flip side, wonderful. 
so I, how many of y'all have been to Flipside before? First time. Wow, so uh, all but Brian here is passing through. I've been both years in this land. I never went to the old land. Uh, I've never been to Burning Man either, but I want to go. Yeah. How did you become uh, part of this game? Uh, just random. Uh, I'm really good friends with uh, Meredith. Uh, she was in this camp. I've known her for like a decade. And they called me at the last minute and were like, we have an extra ticket. like a bear with like an apple in its mouth and like a fucking lay around its neck and like duct tape bows in its hair yeah like because people kept adding to it you know what I mean like doing fucked up shit to it and kept like develop evolved over the course of the whole thing it's pretty funny I always smile when I see that fucking manger scene
Thank you for listening to Flipped Out. Flipped Out is a podcast about the art, the culture, and the madness of Austin, Texas, and its burn community. Flipped Out is hosted at lancehunter.net slash flip, and that's flip with one P. To contact Flipped Out, please email flippedout at gmail.com, and that's Flipped Out with two Ps. Once again, thank you for listening. Now go be spectacular. Spectacular.